we have to start today by talking about Hank Aaron. Henry Hammering Hank Aaron. The baseball legend died on the 22nd at the age of 86. Of, and it was one of those pieces of news that when it came through the wire, when it came when it came through my Twitter, I audibly yelled out no because I was and still am a fan. Now, I'm a big baseball fan. Uh, if you guys need to know, I don't, I don't imagine you guys necessarily care. But as a New Yorker, I am a fan of the Yankees, the Knicks. Yes, feel pity for me. The Giants and the Rangers. And so in my baseball fandom, clearly I've come to have a deep love and appreciation for the legends of the game, game, but especially the elder black statesmen of the game because of what they specifically had to go through in order to excel. And I think oftentimes whenever we talk about civil rights leaders who happen to also be athletes, uh, too often we start and stop at Muhammad Ali when in fact there were a plethora of athletes, black athletes from back in the day doing their jobs as great athletes and excelling at their craft and then also using the platform that their exceptionalism in their particular sports gave them to amplify civil rights causes for black people. Uh, And so whenever we talk about black athletes from back in the day who were also civil rights leaders, we're also talking about people like Jim Brown. We're also talking about, you know, people like um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Althea Gibson, Bill Russell, Arthur Ashe, Tommy Smith, um, John Carlos, and and so many more, so many more. And among them, was also the great Hank Aaron. And you know, one of the things that really is particular about Hank Aaron's story is that if you don't know, there was a time where baseball was as popular in America as football. Now, right now, in the sports landscape, football is the king. Like, there's nothing bigger, more important, <laughs> more watched, more talked about. There's nothing bigger in the world of sports than football. And there was a time way back when, when baseball occupied that same space, that baseball was the sport. And in addition to being the sport, baseball records were the records of note. And the most important record in all of sports at one point was the home run record record that was established by Babe Ruth. I believe the total career home run record at the time by Babe Ruth was 714. Now, it is important to understand that Babe Ruth holds this this mythic place in the minds of baseball lovers, especially the white ones, as being basically this god amongst men. And black, I mean, he is still talked about that way today. And oftentimes you hear in the corners of sports journalism that's not necessarily mainstream that most black and Latino baseball players kind of laugh at the notion of how much Babe Ruth is held in high regard because he only played against white dudes. You know, he was only playing against, you know, other white dudes who played baseball on the side. He never actually went up against other greats baseball players of all nationalities and so there is this idea 
that the the mythic nature of Bait Ruth is simply a imagination, mostly in the minds of white baseball lovers. That black baseball lovers like myself, uh, we kind of think of him differently. Like he did great during a time where no one was allowed to play but white players, and he just happened to be the best white player during an era where only white players play. That's how I view it, right? And sometimes when these baseball writers kind of get on their high horse on about how great Babe Ruth would be today, and if he was playing today, he would dominate. Black and Latino baseball players know it's bullshit, but white baseball players love this dude in part because he resembled or rather he was their image of white superior especially back when babe excuse me back when hank aaron was playing because hank aaron broke babe ruth's record and on his way to doing so he received just mountains from white just mountains and mountains of hate and hate mail i mean it is documented at one point he was getting like thousands of hate mail a day which is just crazy to think about that just doing Doing your job would result in just getting nothing but constant, constant hate, but specifically from white folks. It got so bad that even his children had to be put under FBI protection because white people were literally sending him mail threatening to not only kill him, but all his kids. You know, white people were sending him mail that, hey, when you go up to the plate, I'm going to be in the bleachers with my rifle and I'm going to shoot you. All because the home run record held by Babe Ruth was this image, was this was this idea of of a image, a symbol, a symbol of white superiority, and the idea that black man would dare, would dare to come near it, let it on break it, let it on break it. Uh, white America couldn't handle that, and so they went crazy. And so here is a man just doing his job excelling and yet he is having to fear for his life and you know it's the kind of thing that we need to talk about more because really how much have we actually progressed beyond that point beyond that experience that Hank Aaron went through not much really not not much not much really you know uh and so whenever we talk about you know these great black athletes who stood for something you know not everyone was going to be Muhammad Ali you know Muhammad Ali was his own unique unique human being and went about it his own unique way. But there is something to be said about the black athlete who went about it differently, but still was going to stare right down the battle of white supremacy and nunch. And Hank Aaron did not. He knew that he was getting death threats. He knew that there were serious threats that if he was in the dugout, some white dude in a red, I mean, one of the, one of the threats was that um, he was, the white dude was going to be wearing a red trench coat he's going to have his shotgun no no his, he's going to have his rifle in the bleachers he was going to kill him in the dugout before he makes to the plate like imagine that's the situation where you're trying to do your job right and yet you don't flinch you don't you don't flinch you don't take you know ask for a day off you go out every day and you do your job because there is something to be said about fighting against white supremacy by simply exhibiting and refusing to cower to hide to run when white supremacy demands it because damn it they can't take it they can't take you being black and excellent and smart and amazing and unafraid of them there is something to be said about fighting against white supremacy with just plain old black excellence i don't think we talk about that in and granted i'm not here to say that we should not give the muhammad ali's of the world all the credit in the world they absolutely deserve it 100 
What I am saying is that the way that Hank Aaron chose to fight was he was going to break that record. He was going to smile in their faces and he was going to do it. And he's going to watch them die inside while he break this record that they kept in their minds as a symbol of white superiority. There's something to be said about facing down white supremacy. There's something to be said about the black woman who still weighs, who still wears braids in her hair at the office, even though she knows that white people just can't stand it, that they would prefer it if she would just straighten out and perm out her hair. There's something to be said about black people who fight against white supremacy in that fashion. And so when Heck Aaron died, you know, I think about all of the all the stories, all of the all of the great accomplishments that he gave us, but I also think about this example that he gave us and I think about all the people who every day are fighting against white supremacy in that same fashion you know the black woman who goes out and interviews with dreads in her hair let me tell you I have been in those offices where I had to tell HR and I had to train people not to discriminate against people who come in specifically black people who come in and they don't look the way that white people want them to look you know what I'm saying they have an afro they have dreads they're wearing box braids instead of coming in wearing straightened hair or wig or having a crew cut and so when I think about you know people who have the who have the courage not to hide their black excellence in the face of white supremacy demanding that they do threatening their very lives unless they do I think that you know we got to give tons of credit to men and women like that and Hank Aaron man look I cannot imagine what life must have been like I mean he gave an interview where he said that breaking that record should have been just the height of his career but he just couldn't enjoy he just could not enjoy it because of all the hate, all the vitriol that he had to endure while he was going through it. You know, there were times where his he had black teammates. He had black teammates on his team, specifically the Atlanta Braves, which is the team that he was playing for where when he break, excuse me, when he broke the record. And there were days where he told them, hey, man, you guys shouldn't sit next to me because I think there's someone out there with a rifle who's going to try and kill me. And his black teammates, you know, God bless him, said, nah, man, if you go down, we go down. We're sitting right next to you in his dugout. You know, and I got to give it up, man. You know, not everyone would be like, yo, if you get shot, I get shot. You know, I know a lot of people right now who claim to be down ain't down that much. You know what I'm saying? But that was the life. That was the scenario that he lived in, you know, all because there are all these different symbols in our society, especially here in America, that represent that represents the epitome of greatness, the, the epitome of white superiority, the symbol of how white is superior to black and brown and latino and mexican and asian and native and that when you threaten it white people freak the fuck out and then they want you to stop threatening they want you to stop overcoming they want you to stop breaking their illusions their their these imaginations that they have in their mind and when you refuse to they will try to do their best to stop you you know when you come in to the interview with dreads and an afro and you're fucking excellent and your resume cannot be impeached cannot be denied they're gonna find a reason not to hire you you know they, we just didn't like her attitude we just don't think she he would be a fit fuck out of here and i say this again as someone who's been in those conversations who's been in those rooms and so those everyday struggles to bring down these symbols and to show the reality that black is beautiful, that black excellence actually happens and it happens every day. Those little quiet fights against white supremacy, I think we, we need to talk about them a little bit more.
And so, you know, those are my thoughts about, you know, Hank Aaron. And, you know, Hank Aaron also played in the Negro Leagues back in the day. I believe it was the 1950s. He played for a team called the Indianapolis Clowns. Not a fan of that name. I don't know why they would call themselves that. I'm sure there's a, there's a story behind it that I don't know. But it was a Negro League team, you know, and he played there for a few months before he was brought up to the to the big leagues, I believe. Uh, if I'm wrong, I'm sure someone will correct me rather quickly. Uh, but, you know, thinking about that also makes me concerned. And, and this was my primary concern when about a few weeks ago, I wouldn't say it was a month ago, but a, a few weeks ago, um, Major League Baseball said that from now on, you know, they were going to integrate into the Major League record books all of the records from the Negro League. Uh, and so all those records, all of those accomplishments by black leagues in the Negro Leagues, they were no longer going to be separate. They were going to be included in the major league stats. And while I kind of understand what they're trying to do, my concern is I don't want this and I hope that this does not result in a forgetting, a removing from history just how important, just how excellent, just what a statement the Negro League itself was. You know, it's one of those classic scenarios where black people were like, hey, if you guys are not going to let us do it, we're going to figure out a way to do it ourselves. It was just an amazing collection of talent and I don't want the Negro League to now be relegated to to you know a distant memory I pers- I mean look yes the Negro League also represents racism and and all that stuff as well but to me it also represents the the refusal of black excellence to cower in the face of racism, in the face of white hate, of white racial hatred, racial hatred. And as such, the Negro League is a symbol that's important to me. And so knowing, you know, that, you know, Hank Aaron also played in the Negro Leagues, you know, just reaffirmed my concern that, hey, let's not forget the Negro Leagues. No, and they were, these were legendary motherfuckers, man. Amazing, amazing men who played the game and were just super duper, I mean, amazing and excellent. And while I appreciate what Major League Baseball is trying to do, I just don't want the Negro League to suddenly be forgotten, you know, to to be. And I definitely don't want to be whitewashed. Uh, and so, you know, it's just one of those things that also comes to mind whenever, or at least now, whenever I think of Hank Aaron, that, you know, this is also a Negro League star. You know, he didn't just come straight into baseball or the Major Leagues. He spent, he had to go through the Negro Leagues and then eventually through the, to the Major Leagues and then eventually to the record books. So on and all, you know, those are my thoughts on Hank, on Hank Aaron. I just feel like we had to start here because the man's a legend. And I think, you know, whenever our legends pass on, we have to, you know, take some time out to give them their due respect. And, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of talk. There's going to be a lot of op-eds and think pieces about Hank Aaron, about his grace, about his dignity. But it's important to put that dignity in its proper context. It was dignity in the face of acute white racial hatred because he dared go after a symbol that white people had in their mind that represented white superiority. It's important that it's put within its proper context that he was showing grace in the face of white racial hate. Amazing, amazing grace, amazing strength, amazing perseverance. And I, for one, am forever grateful to him for that. Okay, rest in peace, rest in power, Hank Aaron. And now on to the next topic. All right, so it's time to get into what I'm pretty sure everyone here came to listen to. My thoughts on this whole uh, Danny Lay situation. For those of you who do not know, I'm going to give you a quick recap of what happened. So Danny Lay, a rapper who I've never heard of, (laughs) to be honest with you, uh, Danny Lay 
released a preview on Instagram of a song coming out on her album. Now, for those who do not know, Danny Lay is Dominican-American, very light-skinned, very light-skinned. All right, so she released a preview of a song coming soon off a album that I assume is coming sometime in the future, and it's probably still coming sometime in the future. The song is called Yellow Bone, and the song is all about how her man who happened to be the babe, who I do know, and I used to like, we're going to get into that in a second, uh, about, the song is all about how her man wanted a yellow bone. So, where do I even begin on this bullshit? It's, it's, it's a lot. So, in order to not just rant and rave about this, I decided that I was going to break this up into uh, about four parts, right? Uh, and so we're going to talk about the colorism, which is obvious. We're going to talk about the continued fetishizing of light skin people and women in particular. We're going to talk about the cultural appropriation. We got to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about the Danny, excuse me, the we're going to talk about the baby of it. Try saying that three times when I ask the, the baby of it all, because we got to talk about his, his, his fuckery, his bullshit, his part and all of it. Uh, so let's start with the colorism. Um, <laughs> you guys know, and I'm, if you, if you hear me saying, um, it's because I'm trying to remain calm in all this and, and not just rat and rave. So I'm just trying to remain focused while I discuss this. But if you're coming to this podcast from my website, you know that I am a staunch opponent against colorism. Like I talk about it nearly all the time. I post about it all the time. You guys know my deep, 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 deep affection for dark skinned black women. And, you know, I talk about the shit that they have to deal with all the time. I have I constantly post stuff about it. So you guys know where I stand on the subject of colorism. If you're coming here from the website, you guys know that, you know, I think it's absolute bullshit. And I call out and I and I come after everyone who does it. I don't care if you're a male or female. I come at you with the same veracity. In this situation here, we got to talk about the colorism that is going on here. So before we just get into the colorism, I just want to just lay the groundwork so that you kind of understand what colorism is, where it comes from, and in, in the fuckery that surrounds the entire subject and, and the entire act of color, which unfortunately, as evidenced by this song, continues to happen. Now, if you guys are not aware what colorism is, quickly, colorism is rooted in white racism, white supremacy, because it is an ideology that was pushed going way back when, you know, and I'm talking about before even slavery, um, but going way back when uh, the idea that whiteness and light skin represented purity, represented beauty, represented superiority, and then by contrast, dark skin, you know, you know, black people or brown people in their brown skin and their non-white skin, their skin was a representation of their, you know, their barbarity, their barbaric nature. It was a representation of their, you know, lack of intelligence, their lack of civility. It was a brand of ugliness. And so this is a remnant of white racism and white supremacy whenever we're talking about colorism. Because, and now we kind of fast forward to the days of slavery, what ends up happening during slavery is that light-skinned was used as a means of stratifying or adding hierarchy 
to those who white people were enslaving. And so what that means is that if you were enslaved, a African slave, you just and you just happen to have lighter skin, and we can definitely come back to conversation of, well, how did you even get that lighter skin to begin with? We can definitely have that conversation, right? Um, but if you were of lighter skin during slavery, even though you were still enslaved, you got some privileges, okay? And this is a historical fact. If you were on the plantation and you were lighter skinned as an African slave, you got privileges like you got to work in the house while the darker skinned people had to work on the field. You know, you got a chance to oftentimes learn to read and write. And at the height of the privilege, you even got a chance to gain your freedom. Okay. And so all of these things are historical fact how slave owners and therefore white racist, white supremacists use skin color or specifically skin tone to create this hierarchy, even in the middle of the brutality that is slavery. And then that kind of becomes embedded in not only culture, but it also becomes an embedded idea that light skin is superior even within black culture, even within own community. Because one of the things that ended up happening way back when was that there was a collection of what they called freedmen. These were just freed, you know, African slaves or, or you know, black people who were no longer slaves who got to be things, teachers, business people and clergy and all that kind of stuff. And historically, that group of people were overwhelmingly light skinned. So even when we're talking about the brutality and the and the evilness that is slavery, that is also a place where we can see how skin tone bias, skin tone racism played a role in kind of pitting us against one another and also became a way for white supremacy to reflect its ideas upon us, even in the midst of killing us. And enslaving us because again the, the thing the thing to keep in mind is when you watch the movie Django Unchained um St- Stephen 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 I believe was the character that Samuel Jackson played in that movie the way to think about it is that in reality in all likelihood that character would have been light-skinned it would not have been a dark-skinned man it would have actually been a light-skinned man if we actually went back in time and looked at who actually got to be I'll just say who actually got to be a house nigga. And so we see this pattern of skin tone being used as a form of stratification and hierarchy amongst the oppressed population throughout all the places in the world that experience European colonialism, okay? That includes the Dominican Republic. And we're going to get into that because she is Dominican, you know, American. We're going to definitely touch on that in a minute. So understanding this history, understanding what colorism is and how it was actually brought to our shores and to our community is important in understanding how it still affects us today. It is something that is still embedded in our community, in our culture that we are still fighting every day. The reality is all black people experience discrimination because we're black. However, the intensity of that discrimination is different. The frequency of that discrimination is different based on your skin tone. And this is, you know, I have, like there's certain news that get shared that I always call news for white people because it's not like black people already know shit like that. Like when they came out and said, hey, you know, there was a bunch of police officers who also participated in the insurrection. There was, who, who's the black person who saw that was like, oh my God. I, w- I would have never thought. I don't. I don't know not one. I'm pretty sure you don't either. Okay. But unfortunately, I kind of feel like news like this oftentimes is news for light-skinned black people. Like, yes, as a black woman, you will face discrimination, but it will not be to the degree 
that you would face it if you were a dark-skinned black woman, okay? That's just the reality. And we have tons and tons of research to this up. You know, there's one piece of research called cultural competency, race, and skin tone bias among pharmacy, nursing, and medical students. Implications for addressing healthcare disparity. You know what this study found? This study found if you go to the hospital as a black woman, you will get better treatment if you're a light-skinned black woman. The reason why I read the entire title so that you can go Google it and read it yourself to see if I'm talking shit. So you got the whole title, use your Google fingers, go find it. But literally, if you go to the hospital, the difference in care that you will get will be dependent upon whether or not as an African-American woman, you are light skin versus if you're dark skin. Light skin, better treatment. Dark skin, worse treatment. So again, yes, you're black and you'll face discrimination, but it's not on the level, sister. It's not on the level, homie, as our dark-skinned brothers and sisters, okay? There's another study called Hispanic Respondent Intelligence Level and Skin Tone Interview Perceptions from the American National Election Study. That's a lot to say. What did this found? What did this study find? Oh, guess what? In this scenario, Hispanics because they were actually looking at Hispanics, Hispanics assumed that the lighter-skinned people who they were interviewing had higher intelligence level than the darker-skinned people who they were interviewing. And this was regardless of how they dressed, regardless of how they spoke, regardless of how they the education level that they attained, just merely based on skin tone, Hispanics in this particular research just assumed and gave higher of intelligence to people in the group who they were dealing with who were happened to be light skin higher intelligence level assumptions compared to those in the group who were dark skin. Why don't we move on? There's another study: the relationship between skin tone and school suspensions for African Americans. Now, again, I kind of feel like this this is not news for anyone listen to this podcast who comes on the site because I posted this stuff oftentimes. But what this also this study also found that black students with darker skins were more likely, not a little bit likely, significantly more likely to be suspended from school versus their lighter skin counterparts. And, and this is where it gets really dicey, and those numbers that disparity gets even worse when we start looking specifically at black girls. In other words, being a dark-skinned black girl in this ed- quote-unquote education system is, is, is a dangerous thing, man. They fucking target you. It breaks my... And, you know, I tell the story... And I'm not going to get into it right now. You guys can read it on the site. But I tell the story all the time about the stuff that I saw my goddaughter go through, man. And so we live in this world that already gives major advantages, major advantages to our light-skinned brothers and sisters that the last thing we need is for us in the community to also prop up this inequality, to prop up this injustice. So oftentimes we do. So oftentimes we do. Because when I think about, especially the suspension study, what we're actually looking at is that the school, the pipeline fuckery, excuse me, the school to prison pipeline fuckery that exists, there are a whole bunch of dark-skinned black girls in there. There are a whole bunch of dark-skinned brothers in there simply because not simply because they're black but overwhelmingly dark skin and so when you have shit like this happening it's 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 shit that's happening to us 
and then it just disgusts me even more so when we do it to ourselves. And there are plenty of, I mean, I just named a couple of studies, right? I mean, there are plenty of studies that shows that if you're dark skin versus light skin, if you're dark skin, you're going to be paid on average at a job. You're going to probably get a job offer that is $5,000 less on average than if you light skin. I mean, there are countless studies that come out on this stuff all the time. I definitely encourage you to go and read it, especially if you're light skin and you keep on denying that you get privileges in society. This society does not, this society in our community does not need any song bigging up light skin black women or light skin women in general because that's already happening every fucking day via white supremacy via white racial hate in fact you can't say that all excuse me that black lives matter without being disgusted at this and like i said there are plenty of studies that you can go and look at and again you shouldn't need studies i mean you could just use your eyes but yeah, there are plenty of studies that confirm what I'm talking about here, what many dark-skinned black women especially have been talking about. I mean, there was one study that I shared a while ago that showed that, that, that if you're a criminal and you happen to be a light-skinned black woman criminal, you will get a softer sentence compared to a dark-skinned black woman. That skin tone bias even makes his way into the quote-unquote justice system. Light-skinned women are more likely to be proposed to. Light-skinned black are more likely to get the job offer. And I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty. You know, this isn't a situation. And yeah, don't don't suddenly turn into like a white person. This isn't information to make you feel guilty and make you feel bad about yourself. No, this is information that you should have as a light skinned person if you happen to listen to podcasts that A should educate you so you know that this is the shit that's happening around you. And B, do not play into it that hey, colorism goes both ways. It really doesn't. Like I've I've talked about the small colorism that happens to light skinned black people. Like I've heard like specifically black men, like I've heard many times the 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 myth that if you're a light-skinned black man, you're somehow less manly and, and feminine and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that is a fr- that is a form of color, absolutely, you know. But it's nothing. It does not compare. It drops in the bucket compared to the ocean of bullshit on the other side of the ledger. And therefore, this isn't for you to feel bad about yourself, for you to feel guilty. This is for you to understand the reality of what's happening around you, and then for you to use the privilege that you do have to actually make society better for all. Don't compound the problem. Like if you have privilege society you should not be using that privilege to make life worse for those who don't have the privilege and when you do so especially when we're talking about colorism all you're doing is being an agent of white supremacy you're basically just think of yourself as an agent of the kkk okay you're the you're the inside man for the kkk you're the inside man for the nazi you're the inside man for the proud boys you're the inside man for trump you're the inside man for you know our version of hitler whoever you know goldwater if you want to use him as our version of hitler okay and so instead of doing that, use your privilege to actually help us destroy colorism as a form of, you know, of, of continued oppression within our community. Don't add to it. That's why you get this information so that you understand the reality and stop denying it. Because again, as a black person, we all face discrimination, but the intensity and the frequency of it is completely different if your skin tone light versus if your skin tone is dark. And it's important for you to accept that reality. And this is a reality that black women, but especially dark-skinned black women, have accepted, have been dealing with it. I mean, there's a study that came out that said that black girls become aware of skin tone bias as early as like eight years old. That's fucked up, man. At eight years, I, I at eight years old, you should be thinking about a whole host of things, but not fucking. Hey, I'm dark skin. 
things are fucked up for me because the messaging is the me- because the idea that you know light-skinned people need to abuse is so counter to the reality because the messaging that black girls and black people are getting constantly through the news through movies to through fashion magazines over and over again is we will accept we will big you up we will give you the role we'll give you the microphone we will give you all this stuff when you're light-skinned and again i've posted many articles about this you know but one of the things that i've always appreciated is that zendaya zendaya i'm not quite sure how to pronounce her name, but zendaya is like one of the few people in hollywood who is a light-skinned black person who speaks out against the colorism that happens in hollywood who makes it very clear that look she understands that one big part of the reason why she is where she is and she's getting the roles that she's getting is because she's a light-skinned black woman and that is the most accepted version of of black women that hollywood wants that is the most accepted version of black women in hollywood right and so when you're constantly getting these messages over and over again throughout all the different media channels from the moment you're born hey by the time eight years old the that's millions and millions of messages millions and millions of signals you've gotten and by the time you know these black girls are eight years old they get it if i'm light-skinned i am queen of the world because everyone i get to i see myself everywhere i see myself in a magazine i see myself in, in the newspaper i see myself in fashion i see myself in movies tv i see myself everywhere but if you're dark skin you notice how you're not seen and when you are seen it is usually not in a flattering position you're not used to giving flattering role you know i mean that kind of leads me directly to the conversation about how colorism has been long part of hip-hop i mean we've seen it i mean i don't need to go into chapter verse because again this is obvious stuff but we've long seen how colorism makes its way to hip-hop in areas such as music videos long ago we've noticed how in music videos if there is a sequence or if there's a plot where there's a woman to be desired more often not that woman is either going to be white or they're going to be the light skin version or whatever f good we're talking you know very 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 rarely are they going dark skin in fact i remember i think who who made the video um was it was it Tyler the Creator? It might have been Tyler the Creator who actually made a video where Bria Miles was the woman of desire in the video. And that shit got talked about because that shit fucking rare. Fucking rare sight to see that it was a dark skinned black brown girl in the video who was actually the object of desire. Because usually the dark skinned brown girl in these videos, they're the whore. They're the they're the prostitute. They're the they're the you know the one just shaking their asses on a stripper pole. But the light-skinned one they're the one who are treated with angelic grace and, and not to be touched and pured and to be and to be chased and, and to be wanted and to be desired but the dark-skinned girl oh she's in the back alley she's in the shadows she's just shaking her ass and so we see that all the time in hip-hop and the reality is that i actually saw this news about danny lay a few hours after on twitter a video was circulating of rick ross and some and again this is i don't watch reality tv shows this is not shit i would actually know that's why i kind of follow certain people to to i know when these things happen but some scenario where rick ross seems to be auditioning women to sign to his label and this light-skinned girl sings for him sounded as a singer i can tell she didn't sound she, did, she just didn't sound good, right? But then the dark skin, I mean, she, the light skin girl got all the praise, showing her ass, her titties, and whatnot. And look, I'm good if, you know, you want to sell sex, but if this is about singing, she didn't have it, right? And then the dark skin girl comes up. She is just beautiful, dark skin. Her look, hair looks amazing, and she sounds fucking incredible. Guess, guess who won that little battle there? Hint, wasn't a dark skin girl. 
and that shit and that shit was not surprising to anyone. Now, of course, this goes into a whole different conversation about Rick Ross himself, which I don't have time to get into right now. But colorism in the hip hop and in the music industry is long something that we've known about. Okay, and so all of this, all these messages get sent and funneled into the ears and eyes of black girls, and by the time they're eight years old, they already know. They already their self esteem is already, especially if you're a dark skinned black girl, your self esteem is already under attack because you already understand the hierarchy that exists because of skin tone and your place in it. And so research has borne this out. But if you just talk to black women, they'll tell you shit ain't new. It's not new information. And so this is colorism. And so this is the evils of colorism. That if you actually engage in color, you are nothing more but an agent of the KKK. You're an agent of white supremacy. You're the agent of Nazi. That's who you are. Immunity. That's why you shouldn't do it because all you're actually doing is preserving evil ideal that has its roots in white racism, white supremacy. And this is something that is true, like I said a moment ago, that is true everywhere we see historically European colonialism has occurred, which also includes DR. And this is where we get into the Dominican Republic of it all. Because as a Dominican American, but just a straight up Dominican, I mean, fucking skin tone bias colorism is fucking off the wall in DR and in the Dominican community. I mean, we all know this. This isn't fucking, like, who is this news to listen to this right now? This is not news to anyone. I mean, whenever I talk about colorism in DR, in the DR community, community, the Dominican community, I always think about a baseball player, funny enough, we were talking about Hank Aaron early enough, but I always think about Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa was a Dominican baseball player on top of the fucking world, famous as fuck, rich as fuck, and he was as dark as I am. I'm I'm not like Wesley Snipes dark skin. I'm more like, uh, I can't even think, like Denzel Washington. I do not look as it as Denzel. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying in terms of skin tone, I'm brown skin leaning towards dark skin. So that's that was his skin tone complexion. That that nigga retired and bleached the fuck the fuck out of his skin, man. I mean, he went, the running joke was that he went from Sammy Sosa to Sam Sosa because he bleached his skin bad. And again, we're talking about a rich dude, money for money for generations, famous. But because he grew up inside of the culture of the Dominican culture of colorism, even all of his riches, all of his money, all of his fame could not help him escape the idea that for him to actually show that he had achieved greatness, he had to learn his skin. We also know that a part of the of the hatred, the enmity that exists between you know the Dominican Republic and Haiti is the fact that Haiti is mostly brown people. I mean, the Dominic- I mean, the Dominicans make it a point of actually making clear that you understand that they're not black. They highly, highly go out of their way. They extremely go out of their way to associate themselves with being white or Spaniard or, or whatever it is they want to you know, call themselves. And I speak as someone who is Haitian and my best friend in the world is Dominican. Shout out to the lunch crew. My best friend in the world is Dominican. One of the reasons why we're friends is because he'll tell you straight up and down, oh, I'm black. 100%. He's black. He might be Dominican black, but he's black. Married a black woman. They're about to have black kids. It's fucking awesome. Married a dark-skinned black woman. We always, we always joke about that on the, on the side whenever, you know, when she's not around how amazing dark-skinned black women are. But married a dark-skinned black woman, about to have some beautiful black babies. And that's the reason why, you know, we, we're friends. We're best of friends. Whenever something happens between, whenever something happens between us, we always, we always come together and say, the island's got to unite. We always, <laughs> there's a little inside joke. But we also talk about the fucking enmity that exists between you know haiti and dr and we know that colorism plays a huge role in this shit okay and so 
Danny Danny Lay to be a Dominican of Dominican descent to not also be aware of this colorism that exists within her culture A to me says that she, because she's light skinned she has surrounded herself with people who kind of prop up light skinned them in DR in a Dominican culture and therefore she's just not aware and penetrated that bubble that's what it tells me but it's one of those things where you release a song to the black audience about yellow bone which is clearly culture which is clearly a colorist term that refers to being excuse me that positively refers to you a person being light-skinned it isn't just a term that just came out of nowhere it is a positive complimentary term for people specific based on the fact that they are indeed light-skinned black you release this song as a dominican with colorism in your own community to the black audience and you're shocked and you're surprised that you're getting backlash what the actual fuck is going on here this is someone who just lives in their colorist bubble i mean that's that's got to be it that's got and it doesn't and we're gonna get into the, the baby of it all in a second but that's that's got to be it right so that's part one just to give you a ground a foundation the colorism that we're dealing where it comes from it's evil history and why if you practice it you are actually an age white supremacy so now let's get into the fetishizing of light-skinned people in specifically black women of it all in all this right so when you fetishize something what you're actually doing is that you're creating a irrational almost pathological devotion to something usually for sexual reasons but just in general a devotion to it that is irrational and just of bounds for whatever we may be right that is the act of fetishize when you fed it and generally speaking fetishize you do it for sexual reasons. and so when we actually put you know all together it is irrational pathological to uh, for sexualification right that's what fetishize generally is wrong uh, and so what that in the pathological is is so important to hone in on the key word because pathological means that you have a damn near near morbid diseased irrational illogical focus and compulsion to a particular thing for the express purpose of sexual gratification right uh and so what we i mean we all know here right so an example of a pathological fetishizing of light-skinned people would be someone who probably buys a, a, a magazine and just jerks off because it's a light-skinned person in a magazine right is that i mean clearly that's an extreme scenario and i imagine that there are people like that they're all men of kinks out there but that would be an example of kind of extreme fetishizing of light-skinned black women in you know in my example here however when you start writing songs specifically about you know light-skinned beauty when you put that on top of what colorism is in its history in its roots in its usage in a white supremacist society you are further fetishizing light-skinned people okay light-skinned black women in particular you are furthering the irrational and white supremacist white racial hatred rooted idea that light-skinnedness is something to be desired above all things these things don't happen in a vacuum okay and so when song when you create songs like yellow bone glorifying light-skinned black women on top of a society that already glorifies glorifies it for the express purposes of maintaining white supremacy you are in effect continuing this ideology of the slave masters from way back when today by continuing to put an extreme attention on light-skinned black women 
women. And then, of course, in the, and when we talk about songs, you then are doing it for the express purposes of sexual gratification, of sexual nature. And that's important to understand because a song like Yellow Bone does not occupy the same social space as a song like Brown uh, Baby Brown Girl. I forget the name. I forget the name or rather the title of the song from Beyonce. Those two things don't occupy the same space because those two things are not seeking to do the same things. And again, things don't happen in a vacuum. A song praising dark-skinned, brown-skinned black women is actually in opposition to white supremacy. It is actually in, in, in opposition to white racism. It is actually a fuck you to white supremacy and white racism and colorism. It does not stand with that. However, when you actually write a song like Yellow Bone and Crazy White Skin Baddies and all that stuff, you are then moving in concert with white supremacy and white racism, white racism, okay? And so this fetishizing of light-skinned black people and specifically light-skinned black girls, look, man, I know, look, not many in my experience, but there are many that I've come across it's funny I just said not many, and I use the word many again. Because I'm trying not to rant and rave, and I'm, and I'm getting a little tripped up on my word because I'm so heated up about the subject. But I have come across a lot of light-skinned black women who hate the fetishizing that happens around them, okay? Because it turns them into objects. It turns them into just a prize to show that you've made it. I mean, we all know in white society, one of the ways to brainwash black men, especially is to tell black men that you haven't made it until you have a white girl. And some black men, if they cannot get the white girl, they they think the next best thing is to get the light skin black. That that's that's a signal that I've made, that I have worth, that I am somebody. And that is a reflection of fetishizing specifically light skinned black girls. And I've met a lot of light skinned black girls who hate that shit. Clearly not enough. Clearly not enough of them hate it, but I've met a whole host of them who hate that shit, who hate the objectification of being fetishized in this, for them, what they clearly see as just this irrational, morbid disease, pathological devotion to not specifically them as a human being, but simply to the fact that they are light-skinned, right? And so when you then write a song called Yellow Bone, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens in concert with things that have been happening before. And you can't put a song like Yellow Bone in the same category as Beyonce's song celebrating dark-skinned and brown-skinned girls in a society that's continually told dark-skinned and brown-skinned women that you're nothing, that you're ugly, that you're not to be desired, that you that you go that you back of the line, that you get paid less, that we will care for you less, that we will care for your children less, we will care for save less. Those are not the same thing so you can't compare the two there is no fetishizing happening in that song okay and specifically in the song i'm talking about from beyonce and so when you put that shit out there and in 2021 we're still fetishizing light-skinned black women when we're out here in the backdrop trying to gain you know civil rights and, a, and an increase of civil rights it's pure fuckery and especially coming from a dominican don't you know your own culture don't you know how many people your culture has specifically women have completely destroyed because they had the audacity to be dark-skinned how many Haitians in DR get absolutely terrified and terrorized every day because they're dark-skinned the fuck wake up and so this continued fetishizing creates a myriad of problems number one is that it continues this this white supremacist thought that there should be this over-the-line dedication to the light-skinnedness or the light-skinned amongst the black and people of color populations it continues that thought and then it also objectifies them. they just become a prize or a thing to be attained to, as a show that you've made it as a show that you're actually someone of you know who's worthwhile 
And so that's the fetishizing part of that whole bullshit that happened. That's just absolute fuckery. And then we have to talk about the cultural appropriation. Look, as disgusting as that term yellow bone is in its roots in white supremacy, the fact of the matter is it is a black term that refers to light-skinned black women. Up up until that non-apology <laughs> that she put up, I could not find any evidence of Danny Lay saying that she was indeed black. But all of a sudden now, when it's convenient for you to make an excuse for yourself, you're now getting in, getting on the bandwagon that, oh, I'm actually black. Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. And I've talked about cultural appropriation often uh, because cultural appropriation is one of those weird things, especially in the area of, of arts, that is something to be discussed with some... With some tactfulness, with some with some wisdom, because whenever we're talking about the area of the arts, what you have to realize is that art and specifically talent does not care if you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, native. Talent does not care. Talent is probably the one true thing in the entire universe that does not you will be given talent regardless of who you are. Right. And arts, and in this sense, hip-hop, the art hip-hop genre, the musical genre of hip-hop, for it to evolve, just like all other all other areas of art, it, need, it needs all of the talented people to actually get involved in it. It needs talented people to put it, their hands in, to put their hands in the pot so that it can continue to evolve and take shape and forward. And so when we think about art in that fashion and in the fact that it needs talent what i'm saying is that hip-hop needs the talent of both kendrick lamar and eminem like both of them are integral to hip-hop evolving in right that hip-hop needs both you know hit boy and kenny beats right it just hip-hop and music and art in general does not care about race it cares about talent and it just wants all it needs all people who are talented within that specific specific area to get involved and put in their talents into play so it can continue to grow and move forward however a part of that conversation is the reality that certain genres of art are actually created by oppressed people and those genres of art from those oppressed people become a representation of those communities and those communities have a very tight and a very precious attachment to their creation because they see those create as a part of themselves because that's what they are and so when you get involved in an art form that is not yours and that is specific of a press group and you yourself are not a part of that group and more importantly, sometimes when you are part of the dominant group, not the oppressed group, you have to tread lightly. Don't it is be, it becomes cultural appropriation, specifically when you get involved in an art form of an oppressed group as a person from a not from that group, and oftentimes from a person of a dominant group, but then you reap the rewards of being involved in that group, but you don't care about the people, the creators who actually make that creation who make that offer possible and that's what we're seeing here with a song like this because the cultural appropriation that happens is not the fact that she decided to do a, a hip-hop song who cares at this point people are making hip-hop songs all over the place is the fact that you, you made a hip-hop song amplifying a racist message and you put it out to the audience who are a victim of that racism that is why it's cultural appropriation. It's not simply cultural appropriation because you're Dominican and you're being and you're getting involved in a hip hop, which is a black genre of music. It's the fact that you're Dominican, you're getting involved in a hip hop, which is a black creation, and then you're using that black creation to 
amplify a message and an ideology that was created specifically to hurt the audience that you are trying to send this music out to and who also created the genre of you're getting involved in. That's what makes your appropriation and that's what makes it really, really sinister. That's what really makes it evil, right? And that's why when black people complain about cultural appropriation, I get it. I get it 100, I get it 100%. You're gonna come in, it's like coming into my house and I feed you and then you stab me before you leave. Like you eat my food and then you take a knife out and then you cut the artery and you walk out. Right. It's, it's, it's when black people see that I understand the angst. I understand. I understand the anger. I understand just the frustration of it, because if you're going to be involved in our community, if you're going to be involved in our stuff, at the very least, we, we don't even ask that you do it well, which is hilarious. Like we don't even care if you're whack, you know, saying if you can't rap, if you're just garbage at the very least, though, we ask that you care about us. We ask at the very least that you don't add to the number of issues that we have to deal with. You don't add to our pain. And yet what we have here is someone who completely ignored that and actually did the opposite. And that is the cultural appropriate right? Because there's, there's no stopping in reality. There's no stopping. The, the way music is global now, there's no stopping non-black people from getting involved in hip-hop. And, and to a certain measure, we really shouldn't we really shouldn't want to, because I already talked about how you just want all the talented people, because the talented people keep it moving forward, keep the, the genre evolving, regardless of their race. But don't come in and hurt us. Don't come in and perpetuate racist ideologies and racist ideas, okay? Don't come in here and perpetuate and give voice to colorism, which is something that we're fighting every fucking day. What the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? And that speaks to the colorism of it all. And so now we get now we get to the part that I have to once again try my best to remain calm, the, the baby of it all. And look, I can tell you if it were me, um, it's over. <laughs> it's it's one hundred percent over, right? Like I just have no room for that in my life. You know, I have no room for that in my life. I don't know if it is actually true that you cannot control who you fall in love with. I don't know. To some degree, I gotta believe that there is some truth in that. There's some truth in that saying because, come on, y'all, we, we've made some. Mis- come on, y'all. Not everyone who you fall in love with the first time is who you end up marrying and, and living, you know, happily ever after with. Okay, I've made some fucking mistakes. Fell in love with who I gave my emotions. Okay, big ones. And I'm sure some of you listening to me right now, you can attest that you also made some mistakes. Right? You also gave your heart to some people who you never have given your heart to. So maybe there is some truth to the idea that you can't control who you fall in love with okay but if some set of circumstances were to occur and i end up with someone who is not black and they did some shit even remotely close to this it's over 100 like it's not even close like there's not there's no conversation to be had i would i would be so disappointed in myself that i was not a better judge of character i like to think i'm a good judge of character especially when dealing with non-black people in a romantic setting like i i, I tell you all the time like I tell people all the time who get into these interracial relationships, black men or black women, I tell them all the time, you better have that race conversation. Don't fucking go into this shit, you know, with love and love is blind, blinders on. Sit the fuck down and say, look, you're Italian and I'm Ethiopian. You're Chinese and I'm Hispanic. You're you're black and I'm white. Have the race conversation and set some boundaries. Make it very clear where you stand. Find out where they stand, where they stand on shit so there could be no fucking surprises, okay? And so that is something that I do. I cannot imagine a scenario where this would happen, but if somehow something slipped through the cracks and I end up with someone who did some shit like this, it's over. Let alone 
putting fucking congratulatory emojis under a fucking post on this bullshit. And look, I am not one of those people who assumes the worst of black people in any scenario, okay? And so I'm not going to sit here and say that the baby represents all black men, okay? I'm not going to represent I'm not going to say that his support of this bullshit of this covid bullshit is representative of all black men. Like I tell you, it's representative of a fucking lot of y'all and one of the big one of the big problems that we have in our in our community is that colorism is played by everyone. Like I hate the idea that somehow black men are the only one playing colorist games. Nah, motherfucker, that's not true women play that shit all the time too they just don't get they don't get the hype when they do it okay but one of the major problems that we have in our community is that black men oftentimes amplify it to a fucking high degree like they that they do it fucking crazy they do it fucking crazy and by crazy i mean they put that shit on blast i mean one time i can't I, came, I remember one time I came across this video of a couple of black dudes who specifically married white women so they can have light skinned babies and they were at a and they were at some kind of dinner party. Clearly this was pre COVID, some kind of dinner party or some kind of bar and they were toasting to light skinned babies. And again, I'm not saying that black women don't engage in this shit either. I'm just saying that black men excuse me, I'm not saying that black women don't engage in that shit either. I'm just saying that black men be the one making fucking videos toasting to light skinned babies. That's what I'm saying. And what and what the baby should have done in this scenario is say, uh, yeah, it's over. Because my mama is dark skinned. My baby mama is dark skinned. Okay. My kid clearly dark skinned. The fuck are you doing? Like how what what do you think is going on here? Okay. And that's why it's so important. I mean, I know the baby made the song about what happened to George Floyd, but it's so important, and that's such an important thing to rem- to remember. Just because a person is quote unquote woke in one area doesn't mean they're smart in others. And oftentimes we find woke men and women who talk a lot of stuff about criminal justice system and Black Lives Matter and all that kind of stuff completely ignore shit like colorism. Because oftentimes, like Bree Newsom said, they don't want to admit that they've been playing a part as the agent of white supremacy. Like they don't want to admit that, like I said a moment ago, that they're fucking agents of the KKK, Nazism, and all those other evil ideologies within a community. So they can't talk about it because they know they played that shit. Okay, and they know they still playing that shit. And I'll tell you right now, man, that whole the support from the baby is just so representative of so many black men who need to get their shit together. And look, I am also not one of those people who tell who's gonna say that. Look. As a black man, you should not fall in love or date light-skinned black women, or that black light-skinned black women should not be able to date black men, regardless of skin tone. I'm not that guy either. But when you, as a black man, amplify specifically the light-skinnedness of your woman as a feature that represents just how lucky and how awesome she is and how great you are that you have her, you are being an agent of white supremacy and of white racism by furthering the ideology that light-skinnedness is a prize. That's what you're doing. That's who you are. That's the reality of what the, the fuckery that you're involved in here. And so when I see support from the baby on this, man, it's just so representative of so many of you clowns who need to get your shit together. So many of you clowns, so many of you niggas who's the reason why little Kim went from a beautiful brown-skinned sister to just a fucking caricature of a human being. Because she was surrounded by niggas like you. And it's destroyed her self-esteem, including her father, according to her. Get shit together, man. The fuck is wrong with you? 
And so the, these particular points are all the, the fuckery that's going on here. You have the colorism, which is obvious. You got the fetishizing of lice, the continued, because her doing this is not starting a new trend, okay? This is continued fetishizing of light-skinned people, which becomes objectification which the smart ones hate, right? Which is just a extension of continuation of a racist ideology. There's a cultural appropriation of it all. I mean, she went on that, I think she, this weekend I was, I think it was, this weekend she put out an apology video with box braids in her hair. And it's like, again, in a vacuum, not a big deal, but you're already culturally appropriating an art form created by black people and used it, weaponized it against dark skin members of that audience, of that community. And so you thought the way to go was to culturally appropriate box braids in your wannabe non-apology apology video. You need to fire everybody who told you that was a good idea. Whoever is on your team who told you to do that shit, fire them all. 100%. Just clean, clean house. Off with their heads. Everybody gotta go. Okay? And then lastly, we talked about the support from the baby who is just representative of so many black men in our, in our community who who support this shit who who amplify this shit and again not saying that black women don't don't i mean i'm, I'm a dark-skinned black man who've been told by black women that our babies will like gremlins because i'm dark-skinned i could tell you black women do engage in in colorism 100 percent but overwhelmingly it is at least what i have seen it is overwhelmingly black men who amplify it to a level where it's just ridiculous. They're the ones making videos celebrating and toasting to light-skinned babies. I don't see black women doing that shit. And so, you know, the, so that, all of that, that's my take on the whole situation. How do I think this is all going to end? Well, it's going to end the way celebrity shit usually ends. She's, she's not going to learn anything. She's not going to really apologize. She's not going to, I mean, I'm pretty sure these actions are supported and, and, and even probably advised by the baby himself, right? Because what should happen is that there should be a measure of humility, but that's not going to happen. Come on, man. That's, that doesn't happen with famous folks like this. It's not, no. And so we're, and again, this whole, oh, cancel, cancel culture. Motherfucker, sometimes, oftentimes, we cancel the right people. Tell people all the time, man, like, you're not going to find me over here supporting and, and siding with people who complain about cancel culture because more often than not, we cancel the right motherfuckers. Canceling colorists, that's, that's exactly what cancel culture was created for. Fuck out of here, okay? But, you, you know, I would hope, what I would hope is that she would humble herself and really learn and really come out with a real apology, but that's not happening. I think what's going to happen is that she's going to release her album. It's probably going to flop because <laughs> it's a whole horrible way to, to get PR for an upcoming album. And she probably is going to slowly fade into obscurity and just pop up every once in a while. And that's going to be, you know, the life that she, you know, has to live for the rest of eternity one would hope right but i do think that the fact that we are once again talking about colorism is important because it is still an ill that we must conquer in our community it is still something that we have to address and address it well and destroy it for the sake of our community for the sake of our brothers and sisters okay and so that's my take on this whole on this whole bullshit uh let's jump to the last subject Okay, so this last subject is going to actually be a twofer. I just want to talk about two things, and then I'm out of your hair. Two pieces of news. Um, one that came pretty late last week. Um, I think maybe this news came across my feed uh, Friday, maybe Saturday, maybe Saturday. And the news that just popped off this morning. Okay, the news that came last week. Dave Chappelle got COVID. Not surprising. I, I wish I could say that was surprising, but no, this dude has been doing shows and, and all that shit. I mean, I didn't see, look, I like Dave Chappelle for the most part, but this is like the most non-surprising situation. I just hope that he 
recovers and that he learns that we're in a fucking pandemic bro the fuck are you doing relax you have millions of dollars what are you doing doing shows doing a pandemic like what are you doing and what are you are you that addicted i guess so i guess so man you must you must be that addicted to the limelight to to being in front of people and hearing you know the laughter in the adulation and all that but i hope you know he comes through and learns his fucking lesson man like shit man if you're honestly if you're rich and famous but specifically if you're rich i cannot think of a scenario where there's really an excuse for you to be catching covid you know with the exception of maybe if you're a movie star okay and you have to, or a tv star and you have to work around other people which clearly which exposes you you know and puts you at a greater risk of catching covid because all it takes even if you're doing the right thing all it takes from all it takes some clown around you to not be doing the wrong thing excuse me to not be doing the right thing and next thing you know you got covid yes i get it i get that scenario but you're a fucking stand-up comedian stay in your fucking house okay you don't have to go out there you don't have to do this the fuck are you doing okay and in the last bit of news is the news that came through this morning. And this is the reason why I like doing and recording these shows day of. So I can also talk about any relevant piece of news. This has been a really, I just realized this has been a really black show. <laughs> like I ain't talking about, pol- there's a lot of political stuff happening. I ain't talking about any of that shit today, yo. It's been a really, really black show. Anyway, Trey Songs, man. Yo, I saw the, that motherfucker <laughs> choked out a cop. Like what? I saw him trending on Twitter and I thought, oh man, did, did he catch COVID? or like something because nowadays anybody who any name any black name that trends on twitter you're just worried that they're dead that's that's just i'm still in that place right now 2020 got me still got me fucked yo uh but instead we saw that man pulling up brady remember that 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 dave Chappelle skit with brady um wayne brady and he just killed the cop that's what that's exactly what i thought of when i saw that video like this this nigga choking out a cop Yo, let me tell you something. I know we're making jokes, but I said on Twitter, that nigga is in trouble, yo. Okay? <laughs> there are a few things you can get away with, but you, as a black man, you're not getting away with fucking choking out a cop, okay? That's not a thing. And, and, I'm not one to be on the side of cops in any situation, but I will say I am shocked that cop didn't kill him. He straight up was choking him, and the old, and the whole time I'm watching that video, I clearly see the cop's gun. I see it. I see his gun, and at no point does he reach for it. Look, again, I'm not one to big up cops, but that that I'm just happy that he didn't. Okay, I'm just happy that because and Trey Songs is fucking lucky as shit because every every court every court every judge would have called that a justified kill on the side of the cop if he decided to pull out his gun while you have him in a chokehold and put five rounds three rounds in fucking gut in your stomach okay trey songs could have been gone y'all and i don't know what caused this situation i don't know what started it i don't have any of that information i don't know if that information is out yet in any reliable form but trey song could have been fucking dead and gone right then and there i was watching that video and i was just in shock i was just really in shock i don't know maybe the cop knew he was trey songs maybe the cop just is one of those super rare ones maybe this is one of those super duper rare ones of the actual you know mythical good cop maybe this is what we're looking at but to be placed in a chokehold and to not reach for your weapon and if there was ever a moment to fear for your life 
because the time because the whole time i'm watching it i'm thinking to myself all all trey songs has to do is just move a little bit to his left or right in the in a aggressive fashion he could easily break this dude's neck yo like that's that yo again i know we're making jokes and i know right now we're just laughing at it but trey songs in trouble y'all like i think we're looking at a scenario where trey songs goes away for a minute for a while unless some wild evidence comes out that shows that the cop was actually the aggressor and all that shit like we need some wild evidence yo because that video was damning and so we're gonna see where all this goes i'm definitely gonna report back and talk about it because i'm simply astounded the reason why i want to keep up and keep up this is because i simply stand trace on live straight up and down straight up and down and you know what and you know what i lied i got one more thing i want to talk about because <laughs> i don't want to end the show on a note like that that's that's pretty morbid you know that's really morbid. i don't want to end the show like that shout out to amanda gorman yo uh, amanda gorman the youngest poet to ever speak at inauguration uh, her books became number one and two on amazon man fucking awesome man i'm so happy for her i'm happy i'm always happy to see like, women excelling you know uh, and especially poets especially artists you know, clearly who have their their hearts and their minds in the right place you know, shout out to her super happy for her i'm actually gonna go out and pick up those books maybe it is a slight against me that i did not know of her until the inauguration but i'm gonna make up for it uh, by getting her books hopefully they have those books in kindle form because i don't like carrying books around that's why i brought a kindle but even if the even if there's no kindle form i'm actually gonna go buy the i'm gonna get the book i'll get physical hard copies if i must because i only have physical hard copies of picture books like i have a gorgeous book of all the photos from gordon parks i think pictures actually see the print to appreciate them but reading books because i read so much and i live in a studio apartment i can't have fucking bookcase with hunts that'll just take up too much space that's why i'm a kindle guy however i make an exception if there's no kindle version available of her books i will still get the hard copies to support shout out to her super proud of her and super proud of the fact that she is continuing to be an inspiration to so many people okay so that's the show for today thank you for hanging out with me and listening to me talk about all these issues this was a really black show <laughs> the, the name of the podcast is better black than ever but usually we just have like one or two black topics and then we have other news topics that i think also are important to black people but today it was blackness from beginning to end and you know what no apologies that's fucking awesome because we're fucking awesome nevertheless thank you for hanging out with me i appreciate every one of you who shows up for me as always please share this podcast spread the word get more people listening so we can grow this community that we can grow this whole thing out because i have a really big vision for where i want to take this i'm definitely going to need your help in that regard so share subscribe give me some five stars i really appreciate it and i will talk to you guys on wednesday deuce